Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. It is my opinion we must see a great awakening. An awakening more dramatic than anything we have seen in America to date. Why do I believe that? I believe that because the time is short and we labor while it is still day. We do what we can with what we have in the time that we have. You're doing your part by showing up, binding together, praying, sharing, getting the word out, and looking with anticipation for God to do his part. And who knows, it may be already happening across our world. My name is Ken Gurley, and this is Daily Devotion, and thank you for being a part of this today. We are looking today at what if we are at the very end. If this is the end of it all, how would that shape our understanding? How would we live? There's a verse that I've walked with over the past few days. I want to read it in the King James Version. It says, Occupy till I come. It's found in the parable of the Lord, sort of like the parable of the talents, but a different setting, a different time. Occupy till I come. Jesus said a man was made king and he was going away to claim his realm. He called 10 servants together, gave each a bit of money and said, Occupy till I come. I will be away. You will not see me, but I'm counting on you to do business. Do the king's business until I get back. Both the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and the parable of the minus in Luke 9, both are at the close of Christ's ministry. The first was given in the Olivet Discourse about the end of the world, and the second given just before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Both suggest something that Jesus was leaving, that Jesus had made an investment in his people, and that Jesus trusted us to carry on in his absence and that we will be judged and rewarded when he returns. Because in both parables, Jesus called each servant to give an account, each to give a report of what they had done with the investment he had made in them. Paul said, we too shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we will give an account for the deeds done in this body. What will the Lord say of us then? We don't like to talk about judgment, but it's one of the six foundational doctrines of the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews in chapter six identifies these six. First of all, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. I don't know if you've heard that old poem written by a woman of faith whose life was called the pilgrimage of Pain, written by this woman who died the month and year I was born, Martha Schnell Nicholson, four incurable diseases, bedridden for 35 years. But from that bed of pain came some of the most beautiful Christian poetry ever written. Here's one of them. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows me his plan for me, the plan of my life as it might have been. Had he had his way, and I see how I blocked him here and checked him there, and I would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? 
grief, though he loves me still. He would have me rich, and I stand here poor, stripped of all but his grace, while memory runs like a haunted thing down the paths I cannot retrace. Then my desolate heart will well nigh break with tears that I cannot shed. I shall cover my face with my empty hands. I shall bow my uncrowned head. Lord, of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me, break me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. Beautiful. Jesus bids us today, use the years that you have left to you. Use your life and spend it wisely. Invest your life in those eternal things, the things that matter. Occupy until I come. For he is coming back. I know that sounds strange. I know that sounds dated. But for every promise that Jesus would come the first time, there are eight promises in the Bible saying he will come again. We need to be ready, not with empty hands, but with full hands, hands filled with things that really matter in our lives, things that matter for all eternity, like souls, relationships, values, faithfulness, loyalty, devotions, heart filled with faith, not with fear. Read the newspapers, read the news, It's as if you're reading the 18 trends of moral breakdown described by Paul in 2 Timothy 3. Let's know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And here we go on the 18. Lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I think the thing that really matters, if we are truly living at the end of the earth, is to make our investment in those things that are eternal, to occupy till he comes. I was born and raised in the Houston area, lived here nearly all of my life. There's a cemetery just west of downtown Houston called Glenwood. If you walk through it, you're walking through Houston's history. You see all of the people that founded this community and all of the great titans of industry. As I was walking through it one day, I came upon the grave of the one I sought, Hughes. Howard Hughes is buried there. I just finished reading a biography of the late Howard Hughes a few years before and went to Glenwood to see where he was buried. I stood there staring at his elaborate grave. A cemetery worker saw me and walked over. We stood looking at the gravesite, talking about it. The gravesite of Houston's first billionaire, famous beyond measure. And the cemetery worker said something so profound. He said, Pastor, Death is a leveling experience. Yes, the proud are brought down, the low are elevated, rich and poor meet together in a cemetery. When the Italian city of Pompeii was excavated, the fossilized remains of a woman was found. Her posture told her story. Her feet were pointed toward the city gate, but her twisted torso and outstretched arms reached for something 
something beyond her fingertips. The researchers dug more and found that what she was reaching for was a bag of pearls. When Vesuvius erupted, she ran. Knowing death was imminent, she raced toward the city gates. Her feet were pointed in the right direction, but her heart was reaching for her treasure. Blaise Pascal once said, poignantly, the last thing one knows is what to put first. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Today, I think it's good to remind each and every one of us in this day, in a world where people are scrambling and panicking, where depression has hit new highs, where mental health clinics have long lines of people waiting to speak to counselors, where a nation is committing basically suicide before our eyes, where conspiracy theories abound and the love of many wax cold. We need to be reminded that what we do genuinely matters, and it matters for all eternity. His word says we can do all things through him. That means even here in this age and even now, you and I, where we're at and who we are, we can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens us. I told you the story of Glenwood Cemetery west of Houston and Howard Hughes. Let me tell you the story of a woman buried just west of there, west of Houston in Olivewood Cemetery. It's in the African-American Cemetery of Houston. She was not a billionaire. Her life, though, was more powerful than that of Howard Hughes. Her name was Lucy Farrow, a supposed niece of abolitionist Frederick Douglass, born into slavery, married twice, five children, three died. A hard life when she came to Houston. She ran a healing mission on the banks of Buffalo Bayou, but she was the first to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She introduced the two fathers of modern Pentecost, Seymour and Parham. She joined Seymour in Los Angeles, lived in a faith cottage behind the Azusa Street Mission, and prayed people through to the marvelous experience of the Holy Ghost. She traveled extensively sharing this message before returning to Houston to her family, where she died and was buried in an unmarked grave. Who would you rather be at judgment? The one who died penniless but has sent her treasures on ahead, or the one who died a reclusive billionaire? Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. We have those prognosticating the world's end due to climate change. We have people running for the hills. We are watching people try to destroy institutions and burn things down, rioting. There is a sense that the end is near. But hasn't it always been this way? The day the church was born, Simon Peter said, these are the last days. We live close to his coming. We live closer than ever before. There's a quote attributed to Martin Luther, sometimes attributed to believers during the rise of Nazi Germany. Here's the quote. If I knew the world was to end tomorrow, I would still plant an apple tree today. I like that. I would do what I could. I would make the investment I need to make. I would reach the person I could reach. I would apply myself as I could and should. If the world should end tomorrow, I would do the king's business today. 
There's those two segments of the Jewish wedding in Scripture, the betrothal and the ceremony, that first of all, the bride and groom-to-be were betrothed, and then he would go away and prepare a place, and then at the midnight cry, the bridal procession would begin from the groom's house newly built to go and to retrieve the bride who was watching and waiting and prepared. Jesus came the first time for the betrothal. When we are washed from our sins, we are set apart from him. But when he returns, he will receive those of us who are found watching, waiting, anticipating his return. Or as Paul said in his last letter, 2 Timothy 4, he will return to them who love his appearing. He's coming back. One of the many titles given to Jesus Christ is Son of David meaning that he was of the tribe of Judah and heir to the keys and throne of David. As Solomon, the son of David, donned a shepherd's robe and fell in love with a common shepherdess girl, who she didn't know he was the king in disguise. Solomon would come back with all of his royal regala and retinue, and only then did she realize she had fallen in love with a commoner who was actually a king. Jesus has gone away for a while, but he's coming back. He's coming back for those of us who anticipate his return. If the world should end tomorrow, plant an apple tree today. If the world should end tomorrow, go teach a Bible study. Go reach someone because the lover of our souls is soon to return. The end is near. Get ready. Thank you for sharing a daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.